Hello and welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we explore our year in the national parks, our international travel experiences, and our love for everything budget travel. We're Cole and Elizabeth Donaldson, a regular Midwest couple who quit our jobs and set off on a year-long adventure to visit all 59 U.S. national parks in 2015. That set off our travel addiction, and since then we've visited over 50 countries. We've made travel a priority without breaking the bank, and we're here to share that with you. You have visited 50 countries. Well, you better catch up. Why is that in our intro? It's not even accurate. Well, it's accurate for me, so (laughs) he who writes the intro has the power. I think I I need to start going to some countries without you. That sounds like a solution. Do your worst. No, happy New Year, everybody. Uh, we're happy New Year. One week into 2017, so uh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> 2019. Uh, so, yep. Um, current with the times here at the Switchbacks household. I feel like 2019 is going to be rough. Just 19 is such a bad number. It's like the worst number. It is a prime number. Right. So, depending on how you feel about so prime 17, numbers. But 17 sounds nicer than 19. I don't that's know true. Why. Like, there's Sweet 17. And that's not a thing. 17 the magazine. <laughs> and uh, All your favorite things. And James at 17. Wasn't that like a book in the James? 50s? I have no idea what that is. I mean, 70s. <laughs> wow. Okay. Do we need to start over? No. Okay. So, okay. Happy, happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions uh, before we get into our topic. So, uh, our topic, just to make sure you don't check out immediately, is uh, our top 19. 18. 18. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> our top 18 travel experiences in 2018, which was a huge year for us, but we'll get into that in a second. Um, so it's it was a super fun list to put together, and yeah, I'm excited to share it. But do you have for, any... First, yeah, first we wanted to talk about some uh, travel intentions for 2019. Yeah. So... Because we're big advocates. Everybody should have resolutions, of course, but what about your travel resolution? The most important one. Yeah. <laughs> so my travel resolution for this year is to find really good weekend trips from St. Louis. So we're located here in St. Louis and there's a lot to do that's just, you know, less than say five hours from a five hour drive from from our town. We could go on Friday after work. We could we could stay a few days and come back Sunday. Um, We just want to explore some stuff that's closer to home. I feel like there's a lot we have not seen. There's a lot we have, um, but there we have we have tons more to explore just you know in our backyard yeah so that's my goal and we don't have as a landlocked midwest city we don't have coasts or maybe even mountains to play in but what we do have is location in the middle <laughs> we can go and anywhere, so we guys. can go any direction <laughs> uh, and we're going to explore that whole circumference that whole uh um yeah the whole five-hour uh, radius. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So my New Year's resolution is uh, to get the Southwest Companion Pass, which uh, is a pretty popular thing in you know for tr- travel hackers and in the travel world. Uh, basically, it's a, a 
reward status pass that you get with Southwest when you spent or earned 110,000 miles in a calendar year. And uh, when you get that, you get to designate one companion that can fly for free with you the rest of that calendar year in which you earned it and the whole next year. So my plan, it's already in motion, is to earn the Southwest Companion Pass by the end of January, maybe mid-February, have it for all of this 2019 and 2020 for the two of us, which means that perhaps in addition to all these fabulous weekend trips around St. Louis, we will be able to take fabulous uh, trips to places like Boise, Idaho <laughs> that we've never been to, but at a half-price Southwest ticket away. Might be enticing. Yeah. Pretty uh, enticing For a long year. weekend, perhaps. Sounds good. Yeah, so that's my resolution, and I think we're, we're set up pretty good. Yeah, it's going to be a good year. We're very excited. So now let's rewind a little bit into last year. So we're, we are today, we are breaking down our top 18 travel experiences. We did this last year for our 2017 best travel experiences. Um, so we're going to follow kind of a similar format, but this year we didn't keep our lists hidden from each other. So we more, we more collaborated on these 18 so we could agree on kind of a ranking for the 18 experiences. Yep. So they're in order. You know, good to great, or great to excellent. Um, <laughs> but first of all, to set it up, we were super blessed again to be able to travel so widely. Uh, it and was our. It was definitely our best travel year ever. Yeah. Right. Which, which is kind of uh, strikes a weird chord because we did travel for that whole year when we were visiting the parks, and that's what kicked us off in 2015 to 16. But this was definitely a much, uh, we reached a lot farther. We, at least me, uh, I went to 26 different countries just this past year, which saying that out loud sounds crazy and is also really cool. And like I said, super fortunate to be able to do that. But 26 countries, two were repeats. Um, I went to 24. That's right. <laughs> And uh, the way only one was a repeat. <laughs> yeah, the way we did that was using a lot of different methods. So we had starting off at the beginning of the year was a cruise with my family, and hit a few countries with that. Um, we did a I did a few university trips, which is like consulting trips with my MBA program that I was doing over spring break. And that's how I got two up on Elizabeth. But then we also did... We did um, our first uh, extended group tour. Yeah. Which a lot of you know, we went to Africa and did a, a 59-day overland tour. So that was huge for us because we never really joined a group guided tour before. So that was new. Mm -hmm. And then we also did used budget airlines to travel uh, to Panama and did bulk travel of our own. So we did the, the bulk travel through the tour company, but also on our own through Europe. So um, like we said, lots of different methods to the madness. Uh, and it was a year of incredible and unique experiences. Um, and I'll be the first to caution that uh, countries aren't the 
only barometer of travel and just experiencing new things around the world. You know, you could go through, you know, those European countries and spend a day in each one, and it might not be as cool as just going to, you know, Argentina and living for a month. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the the point is, it's maybe not all about countries, but that's a kind of cool way to to talk about the breadth. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So what do you think? Should we dig in? Let's dive in. Okay, we have one, two, three honorable mentions. So let's start with those. So the first one, let's maybe let's just go in order of the year. So you start with your first yeah, one that happened yeah, on course. your college trip. Right. So I went to visit a few different um, startups in Ireland. And afterwards, we were able to have a few days to do a circuit of the island in a rental car. And through that, we got not only throughout um, you know the the Republic of Ireland, but up into Northern Ireland, which has some mind blowing coasts, uh, some really cool sets of Game of Thrones. Um, but the coolest part I loved was the Giant's Causeway, uh, which is a really unique geological feature and area on the coast of all of these volcanic uh, hexagons that are just popping out of the ground, and it looks fake yeah it does not look real yeah but but the pictures are unbelievable at giants causeway and you can just climb all over them so second when we were in krakow during the first part of our europe trip we went to krakow poland and we experienced and i wish we had done it a little sooner so we got it more times but we experienced the best ice cream we've ever had in our whole lives i think Right? I agree. It was, it was the best quality ice cream like yeah. for a single flavor. Um, it's called Goodlude, G-O-O-D-L-O-O-D. Not mm-hmm. sure if I'm saying that right. Um, but in, in Krakow, and there's super long lines, and there's very good reason. They only had like four flavors. I had the dark chocolate, which was incredible, and the salted caramel. Those were my two favorites. Absolutely. <laughs> Can't and- go wrong. And the really cool thing about that is they didn't have toppings or any type of stuff that went into the ice cream. It was just pure quality ice cream. Uh, and then the third one was the Pula, uh, the Roman amphitheater in Pula, the best preserved Roman amphitheater in the world in Croatia um, in a town called Pula. And it's a little smaller than the Colosseum in Rome, but is... I would argue it's a better in, experience intact, right? because it's more intact and there's so many fewer people. It's still popular, but not the throngs of people. And uh, it was just so cool to kind of imagine what went on during that era with all the gladiators and the gruesome contests that they had. Um, I would highly recommend paying the couple of extra, uh, what, Kuna? Yep. For... Um, for an audio tour headset those are like that's one of our favorite things to do on in in some of these bigger touristy areas um, that people go to to just kind of ground you and give you a little bit more information about the place you're seeing Mm -hmm. and they look so cool with those over the ear you know and holding your (laughs) little remote control for from like 20 years ago want to prove that you're a tourist just walk around Okay, let's get into our realist number 18. And the only reason I think this is lower on the list 
is because it's it's kind of broad. It's not like we had a specific moment here. Um, it's it's more like the whole park in general. So number 18 is visiting Triglav National Park in Slovenia, which was which became after we visited Slovenia, one of our f- new favorite countries in the world, at least one of mine. Everything about the country was great. The capital city, Ljubljana, was re- just really charming and beautiful. But the best part was when we drove up away from the city about about two or three hours to Triglav National Park. So we spent three nights up there in, a, in a, an awesome little Airbnb cabin that was maybe $50 or $55 for the night. There were three of us. And it had a great view of the mountain range. Um, it had a little balcony with a place where we could drink wine at the end of the night. Yeah, and the Airbnb itself was, it was a amazing. huge highlight. Yeah. But <laughs> the actual highlight on our actual number 18 is uh, the hiking within Triglav. So we went on a lot of really nice trails. None of them were like... Above the above rest. Above the rest, but they were all very lovely. And the one that we're going to talk about is called Planika Tamar. And that one was just a really nice walk through the northern part of Triglav National Park and it was kind of like classic Slovenia mm-hmm. um, we walked it was a, it was pretty flat it wasn't wasn't too steep or anything um, but we ended up in this really nice valley that was just surrounded by mountains it had it we led up to this um, like sound of music-esque field <laughs> where we skipped around and um, just it was it was just Gorgeous. We there. Uh, there was a chalet there where you could, in, in the on season, I think you could get food. It was a restaurant, um, but just very green, very mountainous waterfalls in the back background. Just really, really lovely. Yeah, and I got to play with my drone too. So that you was did. fun to get some drone footage of the whole valley and pan over through the mountains. So it was definitely a classic Slovenian uh, landscape, uh, and there were countless ones of those two little valleys that you could hike up into another hike we did that i really liked was going up to the base of triglav which is the name of the park but also the name of it it the biggest mountain in slovenia and um just like hiking all the way up the debris and scree field you know along this little stream was really cool and then you got to the base where you could just put your hands on tree glove and stare up for thousands <laughs> of feet these this granite wall just shot up in front of you so yeah it was um it was too early to hike it right it wasn't yeah. it just wasn't the right season cuz you can climb tree glove you have to get a guide um but we didn't do that but to, to be able to just hike at the base of it was was seemed pretty classic mm-hmm. national park. Yeah. So number 18, Triglav National Park. Moving on to 17. Yeah, number 17 is more specific. Mm-hmm. It's uh, something we did in Cape Town. And it's one of those moments when you're traveling that's like, it's not something you plan for. It's not something that, you know, we went to Cape Town for, but we just kind of stumbled upon this um, jazz club inside a church. Exactly. It was called The Crypt which is super spooky, but it was a, it was underneath the church mm-hmm. in their, you know, what looked like, I mean, a wine cellar or a crypt, you know, <laughs> so I guess it was well-named. And it's actually beneath a famous church. It's St. George's Methodist Church, where the famous uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu, who played a huge role in uh, abolishing apartheid 
and the civil rights movement there. Um, it was where he preached, and it was so it had that historical element. But the musicians that we saw come in, you know, as we had ordered our food and we're getting our, you know, kind of nicer, fancier cheese plates, was a which was a huge change from what we had been doing the past 59 days overland through Africa, cooking our own meals and everything. Um, as we were doing all that, the band came on, and they this particular one was from Congo, so it, it, and th- those guys know their music, uh, so it's super cool and fun, and you know they, they just have s- such a smoothness about their style, that and just a, a lightness as well. It was just super fun to watch them having fun mm-hmm. and just messing around with each other and just feeling the flow of the music. Um, and they played a few that you could recognize and you're like, ah, yeah, that song. Uh, but then most of it was their original stuff. And I highly recommend you check out the schedule for uh, The Crypt and take a look uh, at that while you're in Cape Town. And also just go to Cape Town. There's a million things we could have said about Cape Town. Yep. Um, but moving on to number 16 was the very first part of our um, summer trip. We stopped and we started in Frankfurt uh, where I have family. So we got to see my great aunt and uncle. We stayed with them and we got to see some of my um, mom's cousins, their, their kids. Um, and one of my favorite parts about this trip was going out in Frankfurt to a kind of a traditional German restaurant called, oh boy, called a Zoom Gemalten, Gemalten House. Right. I don't know. It means uh, into the painted house. Yeah, and it was a really cool little, um, uh, just charming restaurant with lots of paintings all over the walls, and um, they are famous for their apple wine. So we had lots of, lots of like these huge ceramic pitchers of apple wine, um, and yeah, it was it was just really nice to be with my family that I had and I had never been to Frankfurt before. My grandpa grew up in Frankfurt, um, and he, and so we were at his house where he grew up, um, which is now my great uncle's house. Um, so that was just a very cool, different travel experience. Yeah, and you really felt connected to your family and your past, and it was cool for me to see that as well. Um, really, we had never gotten the chance to visit relatives abroad because yeah. all of our family's in uh, <laughs> the States, but it makes me really excited for maybe one day also paying a visit to your relatives in Norway. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. So let's see. <laughs> that was 16. Yeah, number uh, 15. In Frankfurt. Yeah, number Sorry. 15. Um, is, oh, yeah, this was one of your favorites. This was one of my favorites because it wasn't something we did very often. So number 15 was splurging on seafood in Couture, Montenegro, at a water, a beautiful waterfront, waterfront restaurant. So we went to um, Couture just for um, two day, two nights or three nights. I don't know, not very long, on our way from Croatia to to uh, Greece. And so we stopped, and this whole city is beautiful, but we stayed at an Airbnb along the water, and one day we just, like, walked, you know, kept, kept walking a further away from the city, and we found this nice little stretch of restaurants and decided to just sit and have dinner and order, like, a fancier, not, I mean, Fish not platter. even that fancy. Yeah, or as a seafood platter. I think it was, like... 
was it like 20 eight, bucks 18 euros yeah it wasn't yeah. it wasn't much and did we even split it or did we get our own i mean i, I think, think it was for two it was meant for two yeah i think we split it so really splurging yeah. is kind of funny in this instance but most of the food there was like three you know we would get like a sandwich and chips for three dollars or two dollars at a restaurant most of the time so it seemed a bit more like a splurge but just sitting at the water watching the sunset eating fresh fish was just such a nice kind of one of those like classic travel experiences that we shy away from more often than not yeah especially when it comes to food and the setting of this town in montenegro is that it's at the back of a fjord and the just so gorgeous with the mountains rising up on all sides and the the finger of the water leading out to the bigger sea um, on the Adriatic was really cool and is really popular, really nice ambiance for the mm-hmm. restaurant. So just kind of a nice a nice moment on our trip. And those are the kind of things I like to talk about also are just. Not, not, you know, the big bucket list things, but also kind of the smaller yeah. moments. The experiences come in all sizes. Yes. So number 15, splurging on seafood in Kator. Um, and now 14. 14 what? is more of a bucket list experience. Yeah. And that was hiking Dune 45 in Namibia for sunrise. And this was on our Africa tour. So this was... The seventh country we had we passed through on the tour, Namibia. We spent a long time there, did a lot of stuff. But one of the things that really stood out was going through what was called the Namib Nukaluft or Nakaluft uh, National Park. And one of the most popular spots of that is Dune 45 which is just another dune in the dune field, but this one is one of the tallest, and it's also just such a pristine dune and has such a clear line that you climb up to, and then once you actually do a pretty long hike, it's pretty long and uh, arduous getting up Mm -hmm. to the top, you can see everything out in front of you, and it's a really cool valley before you see the dunes in the distance, and they're on both sides, and when we were walking up, it was also really cool that it was completely cloud-covered, and we didn't even think we were going to see anything, but we're like... I know, we kind of begrudgingly like yeah. trudged up this hill, yeah, this, left the this bus dune, and we are like, oh, this is going to be terrible, it's cold, it's cloudy, we're not going to be able to see anything from the top. You couldn't and, literally see, you know, 100 feet in front of you because yeah. there were so many clouds. But pretty quickly, when we started climbing, we were like, oh my gosh, we're on top of the clouds. And so we kept climbing up and up and up, and the, the views were just incredible, and the clouds were sitting so low inside the dunes. Um, that it was just, it was uh, n- a nice, nice deception. Yeah, and the uh, one of the photos we took there made it onto my lock screen of my phone. <laughs> so that's how you know it's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, just really striking. And of course, anytime you can sprint down the dunes at the end like a crazy person, it's even better. Of course. Okay, so number 14, that was, that was hiking Dune 45 in Namibia. That's right. Number 13, Cole, this one's all you because I wasn't even here for a part of it. Yeah. For any of this. My 13 was the music that we experienced at O'Connor's Irish Pub, which is on the west coast of Ireland. 
in a little town called Doolin. And there are, as you might imagine, several O'Connor's pubs, but this is a famous one. This is one of the first, and it just so happened this was also a pub owned by the uncle of one of my travel partners. So she really wanted to check this place out, see kind of her heritage, something her uncle had always talked about, and we were happy to oblige. and we had a fantastic meal. You know, it was just it's a small town. It was, but it was a really lively crowd inside because it's a pretty well-known pub. And it, the meal was fantastic. I think I had bangers and mash. And there was, you know, the, the traditional Irish stew. Um, my friend got a Jameson shot in honor of her family. She said. Uh, but the the music was what I really enjoyed and just kind of it was one of those moments where I got to step back and just appreciate where I was and soak it all in and kind of think how this was, you know, something that these people can do, you know, every week and it's just kind of a, their normal life is going and, and listening to this Irish music at their local pub. Um, I think it was you know, I think it was like some type of violin or fiddle and maybe an accordion playing, um, but really good stuff. And just, the, again, the uh, I don't normally pick out food stuff or restaurants, mm-hmm. but this was one of those that uh, the whole package and the ambiance made it so memorable. Definitely. So, yeah, number 13 was the music at O'Connor's Irish Pub in Ireland. All right, number 12. So like we mentioned, we kicked off our new year of 2018 on a cruise with Cole's extended family. So his aunts and uncles and grandma and, and sister and parents um, and some friends, family friends, went on this this carnival cruise. And it was kind of a typical Caribbean cruise, but I had never been on one before. And I really enjoyed kind of doing something new with travel. So our number 12 specifically is celebrating New Year's Eve in this gigantic atrium of the of the cruise ship with balloons and sh- free champagne and all sorts of just like celebration. Yeah, and it was, it was nice. really exciting because it was the first day of the cruise, so everybody had just gotten on the ship and put their stuff in their room and then you all flooded out and you were sitting down for the big fancy meal and then after that they had the huge celebration and they were going all out for your first night. Um, the you know the crew was spectacular and just having that experience with my family was in particular very fun. Um, and again, one of those things that, uh, I'll always remember that New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. So New Year's Eve on the cruise ship. Yes. All right. Number 11 was a a very fun surprise that was, that definitely stumbled on, definitely didn't try to hit. Um, but it was, it was, uh, another one of those travel moments that, you can't plan for yeah you just go with the flow yeah. and we're talking about a nudist beach that we ran into on Jerome uh, no Jerolim Island which is off of Havar Island which is off of the coast of Croatia yeah near the city of Split that's right so this um, when we were in Split we wanted to do one day of kind of beat you know island hopping around some of the smaller islands mm-hmm. around Split so we got on we started on a ferry to Havar 
And then the very famous, you know, destination yeah, big, getaway. Pretty big island. And then from Havar, we saw a deal that was like, you can go to these three islands, and you can the, there's for six bucks, six dollars. There's a rotating, very tiny little ferry boat that will yeah. take you ten minutes every thirty minutes. It'll just take you to these three tiny islands. So we're like, that sounds fun. So yeah. we hopped on, and was it the first one? Yeah, it's the very first one very we first... got off and saw. You know, the sign. Big sign uh, on the beach, nudist beach, and since 1896. Right. Yeah. So it was actually kind of cool that it was a very famous, well-known nudist beach in the area, and there was a little bar there, and you could get some drinks and stuff. And then there's one side that seemed like you know definitely more family friendly with regular swimming and everybody seemed clothed to me but then the other side of the little tiny island was you know just um i mean there weren't that many people but the it was a lot quieter and everybody was nude yeah and uh, there i mean maybe what less than 10 people like it was very not crowded you could definitely keep your to yourself and have your own space um but we indulged we Indulged. That's not the right word. <laughs> Sounds we, a little weird. Yeah, we partook. We partook yeah. in the festivities of swimming naked in in uh oh in like the crystal clear, like right off the Croatian coast it was just beautiful. It was yeah. cold, but it was it was and really it nice. Was not as weird as I would have imagined. No. You know, I'd never been around or had the opportunity to go to a nudist beach, but it was. Seemed like not a big deal at all. Uh, There were, you know, mostly uh, older people than us there, the few people, and, you know, they didn't care. They didn't give a hoot. Um, So at first we were just thinking to ourselves, well, should we be here, the other spot? And then we just kind of said, what the heck? Yeah, let's do it. Um, Yeah. It's all an experience. Yeah. So, and it was kind of like, uh, you know, you would have felt weird if you kept your clothes on on that side. So, I think so. yeah, it was it was fun, and I like said, uh, um, very uh, free. weird freeing experience <laughs> in the water. Yeah. So number eleven, the nude beach on Jerolim Island, Croatia. All right, now we've cracked into the top ten. So Ooh. number ten is happened in Slovakia in the High Tatras Mountains, and it was also a national park. Also a national park. Mm-hmm. Hiking to Popratsky Pleso chalet in the high tatras so slovakia was one of those places that we went to because i at some point googled best hiking in europe and um on most lists the high tatras came up and so we were like we were making our way from poland down to budapest so we could take a little bus and then a little Mm -hmm. train uh, and go through this small uh, kind of resort town of Shribsky Shribsky Pleso. Mm -hmm. So that's where we ended up staying in a cheap little uh, hostel and um, did some hiking those two days. And the first hike we did was to a lake called Popratsky Pleso. Pleso is lake. Um, So we hiked, it was about six miles, six and a half miles round trip. Not crazy elevation, I would say moderate, a solid moderate hike. and the trail was just beautiful. It was just these flat stones, like all the way up, um, really awesome views. And one of the coolest things was that it um, it was raining for, mm-hmm. for a lot of this hike. So it just kind of started misting as we were hiking, no big deal. Um, by the time we got to the chalet, 
it kind of started pouring at one point, but we could just pop into this little chalet restaurant coffee shop. Yeah, luckily we were at down. the end. Yeah, we were right there when it started when it started pouring. We uh, were able to play some games, board games. We played chess, mm-hmm. and I beat Cole for the first time ever. Yeah, knew you really were going to bring that up. I wanted to make that on the podcast. <laughs> Also, do you remember how the restaurant had the menu all in Slovakian? Oh, yeah. And I ordered what I thought was the cheapest beer on the menu. (laughs) Uh, The joke was on me, though, because there couldn't have been beer that cheap. It happened to be... Soda. It was like a grape soda. So it was like wasn't a, it? It yeah, was like a, a very, very sweet, dark, weird soda. Yeah. And at the first couple sips, I was still trying to believe it was <laughs> beer. So I was thinking to myself, man, um, I guess that's a different style they have here because it's really sweet and a little more carbonated. <laughs> and it was definitely just soda. So uh, it had a huge thing of soda <laughs> to just, drink. Just, yeah, side note on Slovakia, it was the place that we've gone probably anywhere on our travels that was um, like refreshingly hard to get around with English. Like mm-hmm. most people did not speak English and not a lot, some of the signs were not translated into English because a lot of their, a lot of their uh, tourists, tourism comes just from people in Slovakia. Mm-hmm. Um, so there aren't, we didn't see any Americans, I don't think the whole time, very few English speakers, um, which was kind of nice. It was one of the real off-the-beaten-path places I feel like we went to in mm-hmm. Europe. You know, a lot of people go to Krakow and Auschwitz. A lot of people go to Croatia, of course, Santorini and Greece and everything that we did and loved. But Slovakia was something we felt we just kind of uh, found that nobody else we had heard of had been to. Yeah. Um, so that was and really beautiful, yeah, like really not overrated with their, with their mountains and their hiking. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. And the hike that I loved, you know, it, I would say what got on my top 10 and we kind of merged these two was hiking a different trail to the Skok waterfall. And that's leave from the same place, the strip ski place, so uh, ski town. And oh yeah, this was an extra hike that you just did by yourself, right? Because we had done another long hike that day, and I was so tired, yeah, that I couldn't make it to this this waterfall. Right. So this was a solo, um, and it was just three point three miles to the uh, to the waterfall. But then that waterfall by itself is gorgeous, and we had seen it from way up on high on our earlier mountain hike that day. But then if you actually climb up the waterfall you can continue going back into the mountain valley and um you can just keep going higher and higher and of course it's like i just felt like i got sucked in and i it was ir- irresistible pull back <laughs> towards the back of the valley and eventually i got to the highest point in the valley which was a lake and you know, sat down by the lake for a while as it was really uh, starting to become dusk, and dipped my feet in the water, which were you know pulled off those the smelly boots. And this was actually kind of scary. I put my feet in the water, like sat on ice, actually uh, a shelf of ice because it was that cold still. Dipped my feet in the water for maybe 15 seconds, and brought them back out and they were straight blue. Um, I was worried. So, but they, they warmed up and, 
got back down. Uh, and on the way down, I kept seeing these little things on the, like real far away on the mountainside. And I was thinking to myself, oh my gosh, that's a family of bears up there. And I was watching them just going along, um, but it's really far away, so I couldn't be sure. And I pointed it out to another hiker. He's like, no, man, those are like goats, essentially. <laughs> it's like a Slovakian goat. Um, I think it's a Calabra or something oh. with a C. Uh, anyway, not a bear. <laughs> um, but never the less, the hiking in uh, the high Tatras. Beautiful. Beautiful. So worth the kind of out of the wayness. Yep. Our number sure. 10. All right, our number nine. Oh, you're gonna have to do this one too, because it's also it's only you. We're yes, involved yes. In number nine. So at number nine was when I went to Nigeria, also with my MBA program on a consulting project, and that was in Nigeria. We landed in Lagos, and uh, you know the biggest city, and then we went. Oh, took a you know road trip, you know, back into. It wasn't even that far mileage-wise, but there was so the roads are so bad it takes you forever to get anywhere, um, at least according to the Midwest interstate standards. And um, we went to a little place called the Ogidi Kingdom, and that was where we were working with um, a nonprofit to help them uh, support their farmers, essentially. And while we were there, we got to meet the chief. And the uh, really interesting thing there... Oh, I'm sorry, not the chief, the king. The king. Um, and the really interesting thing there is their uh, government structure. So each little area of Nigeria has a king of the kingdom. And it's passed down you know, through the generations... And they also have little. They also have chiefs that they nominate, who are leaders of the community. And the leader of our school program, our MBA program that we took the trip with, uh, actually was. They were so thankful for our help in this project we were doing that they nominated him as a chief. Uh, so he is a chief of this town in Nigeria which is a great honor, like a serious thing. And he got, you know, the chief accoutrements and kind of um, the official, um, it's, a, it's a staff or a stick made out of goat hair. Anyway, <laughs> like those are the little touches that I'm remembering as I'm talking about mm -hmm. this that really made it so such a vibrant and different experience than what I've done before. And because we were working with them on you know one of their community needs you really got to see a different side of it it wasn't like we were tourists we were engaging and getting um, down with the the whole community and doing things like drinking palm wine made out of fermented palm at the local bar uh, so that was just a really unique experience, the uh, meeting the king and drinking palm wine in um, rural Nigeria. All right, number eight, um, I did get to partake in. <laughs> <laughs> um, number eight happened when we were on our Africa trip. We um, went to the island of Zanzibar off of Tanzania. And we kind of split off from the group at this point. We went to stay at our own little um, 
you know, resort hotel type of place that was that we, we felt like we wanted some um, just alone time. So we went to this hotel and um, pretty immediately our hotel staff mentioned this festival that goes on that was happening in one of the nearby villages. And so we decided to go with them. And what we found was like crazier than <laughs> was not just like a little town festival. Yeah. It was some serious action. I've never seen anything like this. The town was called Makunduchi, and it, the festival was Mwaka Kwaga. And it's a New Year's festival that syncs with the Persian calendar. Um, Shirazi, I believe it's called. If I'm you know, looking this up on Wikipedia right, anyway, that happens the new year for the Persian calendar between July and August, which just happened to line up with the weekend we were there. And what the festival was, uh, was it was a four-day thing, but there is one day at the beginning where they have what they call an airing of grievances. So we got to this town and we immediately saw all of these groups of people just jogging through the streets chanting you know and it was huge holding banana stocks yeah so they were bundles of banana stocks yeah so they're carrying all this and they were joking with each other and joking with us and eventually after all that basically parading around uh, everybody made their way to this central field and what happens is the the village is divided into two north and south uh, each on one side and then all at once they have their banana stalks that they've been carrying everywhere they take these banana stalks which are you know they're not the bananas they're the actual stalk of the banana tree and um, they're not too big maybe the size of your arm or something and then they rush at each side rushes at each other with these banana stalks and just starts wailing on each other. Um, it was wild. And, and it was not a show. Like, I want to reiterate that. Like, there were not tourists there. We were, we were, um, there were maybe five other people we saw that were, like, there to kind of witness this festival. But it was all very, it was all just local people from the town and from surrounding towns um, that were getting really into it. Not everyone was fighting, um, a lot of people were watching like us, but it was not like a show for tourists. Yeah, and what happens is these two sides crash together, and they're just hitting each other with these banana stalks, which can really hurt, but also the stalks are kind of hollow, and they break pretty easily. So eventually they're just almost whipping each other with the shreds of the stalks. And when maybe one person's stalk breaks or they got you know hit in the face or something and have to take a break, they just raise their arms in front of them and hold their stalk uh, horizontal and that's like their you know surrender or take a break uh sign and it was it was very immediate too it was like everyone yeah. followed the rules nobody was really taking like dirty shots at each other but it was it did get kind of scary it sometimes got very scary i didn't enjoy it very much like <laughs> yeah. i'm glad we went but it was it was tense at right. times because the whole crowd was like a mob so they would like all of a sudden surge toward one end or the other and sometimes they like came right at us there we weren't behind a fence or anything we were just kind of standing in this field yeah just like at 20 the same, feet away uh, or whatever it level. was 
Yeah. So you were, you know, t- snapping a, a few pictures maybe, and then you were running the next second to, you know, get towards the edge and nobody could control where the crowd was going or where the fighting was flowing to. Um, so yeah, you have to be on your toes for that. And the last thing I'll mention is a crazy quirk of it is that they dress up in women's clothing and dresses and uh, also they might have like weird some of them had masks and, and things. snorkel masks yeah and all sorts of costumes and kind things. of like anything they could find from the closet was uh, put on thrown on to just make uh, a funny caricature um, so, but that was so unique, and I think I'm probably the one who got it on this list because I really enjoyed it, it as does, something so different. It does follow a theme of like things that you don't plan for. Yeah, that that we really enjoyed as some of the best moments of last year. Yeah, and we wouldn't have known about it at all if we didn't kind of take the time to listen and talk to and ask questions to our uh, hotel staff person mm-hmm. who gave us a you know little who checked us in basically. Um, so number eight, Numbers, yeah. Mwaka Quagga Festival in Zanzibar. Yeah, so number seven is like on the flip side. Of course, there's always a flip side. There are some things that you plan for and want and dream about and want to go to forever and finally make it there. So number seven was the hike from Fira to Ia in Santorini, which Santorini, of course, was... A destination I had wanted to go to just like every person my age who saw Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants at some point in in high school. Um, But no, I I had wanted to go to Santorini for a long time and just the Greek islands. And so finally we got this opportunity to go and it was it was one of those things that you read about it being very or over touristed and and um, crowded and um, I didn't care. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I really didn't. Once we were there, it was it was just like, obviously, I don't want to travel like that all the time. There's a reason we don't always follow the crowds. Um, but places like this, it was super worth it. Um, so this specific hike was my favorite part of Santorini. We hiked, it was about six miles one way from Fira, the capital city where we were staying, where our Airbnb was, which I would also recommend staying there in Fira. And then hiking to Ia. The it's O I A, mm-hmm. I think it's pronounced Ia, um, which is kind of the classic like sunset picture, uh, where you see the all the postcards from Santorini. Right, way out on the northern, <coughs> way out on the northern point of the island, mm-hmm. and um, it's you can definitely take a bus or rent a motorcycle to get there or a scooter. Um, or even a four-wheeler, but we really recommend just planning a day and doing the hike because it Mm -hmm. was so cool and just you get away from the people really quickly after you get out of the dense area of Thera. Um, You're just going along right along the caldera rim. So the caldera is the crater basically and all the ocean is on the one side of you. Uh, in the flooded crater basically yeah part of this hike was actual like sidewalk like cobblestone Mm -hmm. just regular you know through the city you're basically on the water on the edge the whole time Um, but then part of the trail is dirt Um, there's a little bit of elevation but not much kind of goes up and down a little bit it was not like something where you get super sweaty Um, so we just hiked from Fira to Ia, watched the sunset in Ia, and then took a bus back to to our Airbnb. Yeah. It was a good day. 
not uh, bad for six and a half miles. And also at EO, like you said, we stayed there for a while, watched the sunset. And w- another one of my favorite parts is being able to go down, take the steep hike down or the walk down to the water, mm. uh, water's edge there. And that's the a little trail. yeah, kind of port mm-hmm. area where you can grab a dinner there if you want and go for a swim there and jump off some rocks. I would definitely highly recommend like doing something that gets you away from some of the crowds because that can be it can be a little bit much especially in around sunset (laughs) especially um, in both of those cities Fira and Ia. Um, So the hike really did that really quickly we we felt like we were seeing it kind of to ourselves we weren't at a crowded overlook or or at the same place as everyone else was. So yeah. that was great. Exactly. That was number seven, hiking from Fira to Ia in Santorini. All right, number six, one of my personal favorites again, skydiving over the Namib Desert in Namibia. And I had wanted to go skydiving for a long, long time, and I'm glad I waited because this was like the perfect spot. <laughs> it was a really good spot. I did not think I would ever skydive in my life. I had kind of written it off as one of those things that I'm like, eh, I don't need to do it. Um, but I decided I wanted to go too. During this trip, we had a good opportunity. It wasn't that expensive. It was in a beautiful area. So I figured if I'm ever going to do it, now's the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm really proud that you jumped <laughs> in there uh, with both feet. And it Jumped out too. Yeah, right. So it was really cool that it wasn't just you know over a cornfield that we would uh, jump over in Missouri but it was over the desert this really uh, vast expansive uh, desolate landscape of Namibia so there's a town that we stayed at for a few days on our tour called Swakamund and from there we took a little shuttle out to the, the skydiving area and with about 10 other people from our group who yep. were also skydiving that yeah. day. It was just a fun camaraderie thing. It was. It was a fun day. Because we we didn't know the order of the skydiving <laughs> and yeah. only one per, you know, two people went at once. Um, so we were like just what we were like we just want to get it over with and enjoy the rest of like watching everybody else skydive and we ended up being last. Yeah, but it was exciting to watch other people cuz they were all really nervous too. And everybody came down, and as soon as they landed, they had so much adrenaline and so mm-hmm. exhilarated. Um, and finally, we got to climb in, you know, got our flight suits on, climbed in this little tiny airplane that didn't have any seats. It was just like you get in the hollowed out. You shove in, um, you're sitting on some guy's lap, and some yeah. guy is sitting on your lap. And <laughs> yeah, and, and you climb up slowly, wind around in circles to reach to eventually it was 10,000 feet. I think we jumped from mm-hmm. and it was um yeah I, I just really cool we got the video for elizabeth so that was a cool thing to to see the videographer follow her down and then um you just are attached to your tandem buddy you know the pro because they don't let you do it on your own for good reasons well, um, yeah <laughs> but our guys had what did your guy have like ten thousand? He, he had like six thousand okay jumps is our driver had, who had 10,000. Yeah, they were all very, very experienced. Yeah. I felt pretty safe. 
just an incredible experience to tumble out of this airplane and you know the wind is rushing so fast past your face but then you're also trying to observe and just appreciate the coast and ocean on one side and then the dunes you know on the other and then the city and just you can see so much at once and then you pull the parachute and you're yanked you know as you start uh, just floating and then the guy gives you the reins of the parachute and you can steer it around. He and... did not do that for me, <laughs> but I am fine with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was just trying to not throw up. Yeah, such a one-of-a-kind experience, though. It definitely. is definitely worth the, what was it? Was it $300 or so? I think it was 100-something each, okay. like 175 or something each. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, not too expensive for skydiving. Mm-hmm. So that was number six, skydiving in Namibia. Number five was a really fun thing we stumbled upon. And this goes all the way back to January of 2018. So the best Airbnb we have ever stayed in, in Panama, a floating cabin Airbnb in Boca del Toro, Panama, off the coast. It was just amazing. I I talked about this a lot on Instagram um, because I was very, very, very excited about it. (laughs) It was only $80 a night, I think. I looked up just now that there is an $11 fee. So there's no like cleaning fee. There's no extra taxes or anything like that. It's just $91 per night all in, which includes, the best thing is that it includes breakfast, which is an amazing, delicious homemade breakfast. Mm -hmm. It includes kayaks. It includes stand-up paddleboard. It Mm -hmm. includes snorkeling. It includes a mangrove, a tour of the, the nearby mangrove to see sloths. Yeah, uh, with the with the guy who lives next door, which is something they didn't advertise. They just like threw that in. You know, the guy was saying, "Hey, do you want to go kayaking and well, it's find on some their, sloths with me?" It's on their Airbnb, me? or yeah. it's on their um, description. Okay, but uh, but yeah, well, I was surprised. There's a lot then, of extras. I didn't do the there's research. just so many extras. So if you're if you ever have this dream to like stay in, in an overwater bungalow in the Maldives, you can look a little closer, <laughs> a mm-hmm. lot cheaper. To Panama and have a super cool experience. Maybe not as luxurious, um, but really for us, it was very luxurious. Like, oh, yeah. there's nothing that wasn't luxurious about waking mm. up on the water and like, and at night swimming right off of our our little uh, deck with the glowing bioluminescence. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. There was just so much about this place. Yeah, you splash your feet in the water and it just glows with all the algae. Yeah, the people there, the hosts are just like the incredible, these incredible uh, just people who, they're French expats who now live in Panama Mm -hmm. and do this Airbnb and a couple other like little side hustles and they buy their fish from like the local fishermen who boat by and um, they go to the city every once in a while but mostly they're just out in this totally remote area and it's just it was just so cool to see their life yeah they had such an amazing setup and it was also awesome that you're all alone Uh, there's nobody else around it's just you next to this um next to this house that they live in and you're the only guest, and there's a few houses maybe around the other inlets, uh, but uh, unlike anything we've ever done, and also the add-ons like water skiing, you know, mm-hmm. were available. So I water skied for the first and time. That was a little extra, but you paid yeah. for water skiing, and we paid for dinner each night because 
we're in such a remote area, you're not going to go anywhere. So we, we ended up just bringing enough snacks for lunches um, and breakfast was included. And then dinner was $14 a night, I think, per person. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was delicious and huge and like homemade and um, really healthy and fresh and definitely worth every penny for sure. Yeah. So number five, staying at the best Airbnb uh, near Boca del Toro, Panama. So four. Number We're getting four. Down there. We're getting, yeah, we are. Number four happened on day two of our 59 day Overland tour, and that was our very first game drive in Lake Nakuru National Park, Kenya. And this was everything was new at this point so it was so exciting we had been dreaming about seeing these animals for you know months and we got up super early because the best wildlife viewing is in the morning so it's still really cool we were the first air. ones into the park when the gates opened yeah so at like that was six or seven or that was great you know we popped up the hood of or the roof of the truck so we could all stand up in the truck and just look out and the first thing we came across was a huge herd of water buffalo so but that was just the start because we were like one out of five yeah <laughs> one out of the big five One out of the big five already in the first 10 minutes we were all kind of taking bets on what the first animal we'd see uh was and the first one we saw was water buffalo but the second one the second animal we saw in africa was a white rhino yeah which is those are not everywhere so it's <laughs> definitely not. really they're lucky. a little more common than black rhino mm-hmm. um overall but but still just this solo white rhino hanging out right on the side of the road and it was like oh well there's a rhino like mm-hmm. this is gonna be this ne- the next 59 days is just gonna be amazing yeah <laughs> we were like kids in a candy shop like just standing up the whole time in the van throughout and just like couldn't get enough of all the wildlife we saw beyond the one the first white rhino we also saw another group later of three white rhino we also saw more water buffalo tons of antelope tons of uh, gazelle and other grazers, tons of zebras, giraffes. Water buck. We saw some water, water buck, buck chasing each other and yeah. trying to mate or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the male was feeling frisky. We saw baboons that stole Ooh. our our um, spring rolls. Spring rolls. Yeah, <laughs> from inside actually, the car. They came inside the car. This was cr- and inside crazy. our backpack and stole our spring rolls. That were our, our, was our snack for the day. Yeah, and uh, they, you know, we were kind of watching them playing around, and then all of a sudden there was one on the roof, and that one on the roof before we even knew what was happening had gone in the Dove car straight for the backpack. Yeah, z- unzipped my bag and was rifling through it. He grabbed my binoculars case at first, realized that wasn't food, found the spring rolls that I'm sure he spilled. And I didn't really know what to do. I kind of like tried to kick him at one point because I'm not gonna, you know, try and rip things away and get bit. Uh, But uh, he didn't (laughs) like it when I kicked him, that's for sure. Push him out of the car. And finally he left with our spring rolls. Yep. we also saw at, uh, flamingos. This park was famous for their algae-eating flamingos mm-hmm. on the lake. Um, and then a the hyena, very... I think, as well. Did we see a hyena yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just kind of oh, in yeah, the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In... It wasn't in a jackal. It yeah, was a, a, little, a little far away, but we saw one. Hyena. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing we saw, the last big thing we, we went to see was a... The, the park's famous for their tree-climbing lions. Yeah. And so we got to see a lioness lying in a tree with pretty kind of significantly far off the ground which was a little scary because she was like eye level with us in our in our tall van 
Um, and yeah, and it was it, just... It just draped over the huge limbs of the tree. And is cool, you know, she's just so lazy uh, and didn't care about us <laughs> at all and wasn't that far away. Uh, but there were a bunch of, you know, trucks by the time we got there around and, you know, snapping yeah, pictures so and whatnot. Yeah, so our very first, it was day two, it was our very first game drive. And we already saw three out of the big five mm-hmm. um, in our first park of many parks um, throughout Africa. So it was... It was uh, just a very cool experience to have what you thought something would be like, like, come true. Right. And it was yeah. also showed me that it's not just the famous places in Africa. It's not like you have to go to the Serengeti or the Masai Mara, uh, the two most famous parks, I would say, for wildlife, or maybe what's the one in South Africa? Uh, Kruger. Yeah. It, there are so many other ones that are just as cool and probably a lot less crowded. Mm-hmm. So that uh, kind of proved our you know, hypothesis for parks in the U.S. that you know, there are maybe not hidden gems, but definitely less popular gems all around as well. So Lake Nakuru National Park, our first game drive, was number four. Yep. And number three, we are heading back to Panama. Panama was a really good trip when we think about it. Yeah. Because it we hit we hit it twice on this list already. It but packed a punch. It was just a week. A huge punch in mm-hmm. like six days. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Um, but this happened in our second stop in Panama when we we traveled from Panama City to Boquete, um, the little mountain town that's kind of known for its um, you know, kind of. Hippie culture. Uh, what am I thinking? Retired people, maybe. Okay, it's like maybe a big, that. it's just, it's like a cool expat community mm-hmm. um, in the mountains. Anyway, we decided to hike uh, to Volcan Baru for sunrise. Yeah. And that's... Which entails you leaving at midnight on this hike, which was definitely the hardest, craziest, most insane hike I've ever done. Yeah. And this is kind of their namesake famous hike. Volcan Baru, it's 16 and a half miles round trip, 7,500 feet in elevation gain. And like Elizabeth said, you start at midnight because the the cool, the famous thing to do or whatever, the popular thing to do is to get there for sunrise. And so you have to start in the middle of the night. You're hiking all through the dark and hopefully you time it well enough so you get to the top by sunrise, which we did. We did it, timed it perfectly because we yeah. didn't even have to wait that long. Yeah. Once we got to the top, I'm pretty sure I'm. I, I tell this to Cole sometimes, and he, I don't think he believes me. I fell asleep as I was hiking. I've never. <laughs> sl- I didn't know sleep hiking was a thing, but like it was this. This hill was so unrelenting. It was just an old jeep road that goes all the way up the 7,500 feet of elevation, and it's. It was very steep and very hard. And, and we not had done, fun. And we had done an overnight bus the day before, yeah. the night before. We had no sleep. We were, yeah. we were running on, I think we slept for like two hours before, just mm-hmm. in our hostel, uh, before we left at midnight to go on this hike. And uh, we knew we weren't going to sleep for a long time because it takes a long time to get back down to. Um, but, but so it was worth it. So super worth it. Like just a really cool reward. The, and it's from the summit. And I don't think we've even seen, said this part yet. Yeah. yeah. The coolest part. From the summit at 11,400 feet, 
you can see both the Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans at once, which is just remarkable because right now we're you know in St. Louis, thousands of miles <laughs> from both. Can't see either one. <laughs> um, yeah, but that was a it's really the tiny neat... little waistband of the Americas, the Panama, the skinny little part. Mm-hmm. Um, so just yeah, seeing and we, it was a clear day, and we were really lucky, and we saw both oceans at once. You know, you turn left and then you turn right and. You're like, oh my gosh. Yeah, and you could see into Costa Rica, you know, on one side, on the north side, and then the other mountains of Panama surrounding Boquete. Um, Really unbelievable. And also, I can be very proud of completing that hike because it was. I'm so proud. I don't think I'm going to do anything else for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, it was also hilarious that as we were watching the sunrise, I think. The first rays of sun hit Elizabeth's face, and then she immediately fell asleep. I couldn't stop she falling was just asleep. I was there, just sitting on the side nodding. of this trail, falling like sleeping in my in my lap. Yeah. Oh, it was it was rough, guys. We so, had a good nap in our hostel that afternoon. It was a really good sleep that yep. day. Uh, so that's number three. Uh, hike and sunrise at Volcan Baru National Park, by the way, in yeah, Panama. Yeah, these top three, by the way, are all national parks. Yeah. Um, international national parks. Uh, so number two, making our way to number two, um, also happened in Africa, also happened in Namibia, one of another one of our top countries that we visited last year. Um, and that was experiencing the waterholes throughout Etosha National Park. Yeah, and this one is on the western side. It's at a campground and watering hole called Okakwejo, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right. And it's got a lodge by the same name uh, by it. But Atosha National Park is known for their watering holes. So, and this is the most famous one of all of them. So it's a very arid landscape, and the biggest bulk of the land is a desolate salt pan uh, that used to be a lake. And now the water has concentrated in these few watering holes. Which are man-made, right? Some of them most are man-made. Of them are, some of them are man-made. Of, yeah, I don't some know if most are not. not. This one definitely was because it was basically attached to the to this lodge. Yeah. Um, so it was right behind, you know, you sit behind this fence. There are floodlights on the watering hole. Um, and you just relax and you just kind of hunker down and wait for the animals to come. Yeah. And that's what I really liked about it. Was that it was like it kind of flipped the script on regular game drives where you drive around and try to find animals. You just kind of sat back and were quiet and waited for the animals to come to you. Yeah. And Super cool. The animals too were so amazing because it was all types. It was, you know, first a few giraffes were there and they would spread their legs really wide and lower their neck to get a drink. And then a parade of elephants stomped up and they were just messing with each other and bumping each other out of the way to get water. And um, then some black rhinos shuffled in, which were, you know, really, we mentioned before, are the rare type of rhino. But there were, I think we saw over there were like six eight of them at one time. At, yeah, or, six at one time. Yeah. And, you know, a few came and went. And there were little adolescent ones, too, which was really sweet uh, to mm-hmm. see them in pairs and just wading through the water. And there was a lion that came up, which mm-hmm. we did not expect. And everyone was just like grabbing each other's arms like 
making sure everybody in the group saw that this was happening and like we were experiencing it and at that time there was a there were um giraffes and elephants and a lion at this and it just felt like like this is the lion king yeah this is (laughs) this is a zoo but not (laughs) yeah um so it was really cool to just have that kind of that that window to the national park where there are no fences there are no um enclosures or anything like that they're just the they're just animals that are wild but you get to this kind of inside look at it Mm -hmm. and we stayed out there until midnight uh so you can you know that's another cool thing is that maybe right after sunset is the most popular time but by the time we left we were i think maybe the second to last people there Mm -hmm. so it just gets really more and more peaceful and intimate as the uh, night goes on so number two watering hole in atosha national park so number one number one the big one the big one you want to introduce it sure so number one we've we went to a lot of amazing places last year um but the number one uh, travel-related experience that we had in t- t- <laughs> travel-related sounds kind of cheap. Um, travel-related experience we had in 2018 was adding an addition to our travel family. That's right. <laughs> so I am pregnant. We're expecting. We're expecting a baby in July. Mm-hmm. of this year of 2019 so this will be a 2019 experience too i'm sure um but <laughs> yeah. we are so maybe a excited. rest of the life experience yeah we're very know. excited a lot of you probably have heard through instagram or other means um we've announced it a couple places um, but we wanted to officially announce on the podcast that yes we will have a a baby switchback kid that's right <laughs> joining the crew joining the travel crew we're gonna have to get it get a passport really soon mm, yeah because we right. want this kid to travel a lot and yeah um we're already planning a baby moon and we're we're just very excited to uh to show show a new kid the how cool traveling is and how amazing the world we're bringing them into is mm-hmm. so yeah it's all new experience for us uh you know it's going to be great to be young parents and uh, we don't envision at least this slowing us down. I mean, I'm sure it'll come with way more challenges than we realize. <laughs> I think but. it will change our pace mm-hmm. and our priorities when we travel. I don't. I don't think that it will deter us from traveling. I mm-hmm. think it will. I'm actually. It makes me more. In a way, it makes me more excited to uh, travel in a new, in a new way with a new, um, with a new kind of wrench. Mm-hmm. The wrench sounds bad, <laughs> but a new twist. <laughs> right, yes. A new twist on traveling. Yeah, and one of the cool things, we got to share it all throughout the holidays with our family, and that was great. And we even took Baby to their first national park when we went over the holidays to Seattle, where some of Elizabeth's family live. We visited Olympic National Park, which was my favorite during our trip to all 59. Uh, so that was great. And we were there you know, right before the shutdown, so that was lucky, <laughs> and uh, did a few hikes and stuff. And it's still just as beautiful as I remember. And I think first, so far, so good. I think Baby likes national parks, yeah. so that's a good sign. Well, they better, or they're <laughs> out of here. So that is our number one 
adding a new travel buddy to the family. Uh, and that is also wraps up our 18, yeah. 18 top experiences in 2018. Yeah, it's been a good year. It's been a really good travel year. It's been a really good year overall. But if we look at it through the eyes of our, uh, you know, through our travel eyes, it's been a fantastic year. Yeah, we're going to have to work hard to uh, compete with this one in the future. I think 2019 could give it a run for its money. Good. We'll see. So thank you guys for checking us out today. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes, find us on Facebook, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. And you can always get more national parks and international travel videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks out. out.